Hey, to the point listeners, it's your boy, Chris. I want to give a quick update on some live events that Tall Paul and I will be attending this year and into next year because we would love to meet some of our listeners. We will be attending Service World Expo on September 21st doing a live podcast as well as True Grit on September 22nd. I'll be that event is September 22nd through 24th. And I will also be speaking at True Grit on day Two, that is in Las Vegas at the Golden Nugget. Uh, we will also be attending RoofCon, where I, your boy, will be doing a keynote presentation uh, as well as a podcast. We'll be attending AHR Expo, and that is February 1st through 2nd, where we'll be doing another live podcast. My guest, special guest, will be our guest that's on the episode today, Mr. Ken Goodrich. We'll also be at the Ream Pro Partner Conference uh, March 9th through March 10th. That's at the MGM Grand, also in Vegas. And last but not least, Rhino X, the service summit. That sounds so cool. Uh, it's going to be another banger this year, and we would love to have any of you come up and introduce yourselves to us at any of these events. Now, enjoy this episode with my man, Kenny G. No, not that Kenny G, Mr. Ken Goodrich. This is To The Point, a Rhino experience, voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts, cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Point Home Services Podcast, Cristiano, and I've got no co-host today, but I do have my friend in the studio today is not Tall Paul, maybe it is kind Kind Ken, uh, King, King Ken, <laughs> none of these work. Crazy Ken, cute Ken, cool Ken. There it is. I'm going with cute. Cute Ken, yeah, it's up for debate. For those who might be listening for the first time, I have my good friend and the uh, CEO of Gettles, teeny tiny little itty bitty home services company in the Southwest. Uh, in studio today, Mr. Ken Goodrich. Ken, welcome back in, my friend. Thank you. Are you excited? I'm very excited. You look excited. You look excited. Um, so we are going to do a four-part series with my man Ken Goodrich on the seven centers of management. It's going to be a breakdown of these things, right? So and this is something that you've applied, you've used over the years with from the broken businesses to your existing business. And I'm excited to see how um, how – ghettoizing the nation, as you say, like starts to play out. But I'm assuming you're still going to be utilizing these exact same things that we're going to talk about on the podcast. Is that right? That's correct. Exactly. Because you are a systems guy. That's right. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, not. Is that fair? You know, I don't think I was born that way, but uh, out of necessity, I became that way. Out of necessity. Well, um, so I want to go ahead and jump into it, but what I want to first do is I want to, um, I don't want to assume everybody knows who Gettle is, and I don't think we need to go down this huge this huge path other than saying um, a quick 30,000-foot view on Gettle. I'm talking like two minutes. And then um, give us an update on uh, your path to Gettleizing the Nation. So maybe actually you can wrap it all up and just kind of saying like where Gettle is now, because obviously you are expanding into other markets. Uh, with, and like, just give us an update on like, where's Gettle, where's Gettle at today? Okay. Well, let me go a little backstory in that Gettle, uh, Gettle was found in 1939 in Phoenix, Arizona. And they, they started out as, uh, inventors, manufacturers, they manufactured the evaporative cooler, for instance, a lot of patents on that. They, in, they invented the residential air conditioner. They have a lot of patents on that. And, they also had a service and installation side. Long story short, through a chain of events, I ended up acquiring the company in 2013. And, and at that time, we had a location in Phoenix. Um, and then we started growing, and we grew into Tucson, Las Vegas, Corona, California, uh, Simi Valley, California, San Antonio, Austin, Orange County, California, and San Diego is our current locations. Got it. So is that on purpose? Are you trying to kind of stay Southwest and work your way like East or is it just whenever different opportunities come up that makes sense that you might look there or is there just anything in particular? Like, are you trying to stay out this way? It is a different world in the Southwest. 
But Texas is not really the Southwest, though. Well, kind of. But uh, um, I think that, uh, you know, I started out with, I started out because I didn't like to travel. So <laughs> I tried to keep my travel less than an hour, an hour or so, right? So that Fair was enough. my first logic. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a brilliant business strategy. Other than it was kind of a fit my lifestyle. So that was the first strategy. And then as we started to get some traction and, and started to make some meaningful growth and, uh, and increases in revenues and profits, we decided to get a little more strategic about it. And we started looking at markets in terms of their viability and opportunities. And so that's when we started heading uh, east towards Texas uh, and then laying out our ultimately our vision of ghettoizing the nation. Ghettoizing the nation. Uh, so far, so good. We're heading that way, yeah. <laughs> so let's do this. Um, thanks for sharing. And obviously, listeners, if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, about Ken, go to one of our other like four or five. I think we've done four ad- additional episodes t- together. Um, you know what's a cool thing to know? I, I, I think I've told you this before, but in addition to um, Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast with us, which is, I think, the outlier, um, do you know you're the most downloaded podcast on To The Point Home Services podcast? Wow, I had no idea. You know now. So uh, I'm not talking like all of them. All of them combined, yeah. But it, the most downloaded podcast is, I can't remember which one of yours is. Actually, you know which one it was? It was your, um, it was your, uh, the one, the last one that you did on your, like the, the change and all that stuff. It was a phenomenal podcast. My favorite podcast that you and I have done. Oh, good. So um, now I'm going to get to the point which is the name of the podcast, and people bust my balls about not getting to the point. So I'm going to do that now. Okay. Okay. So I want to get into it, especially because of the time frame, and talk about these seven centers of management. And, again, we're going to break this down to a four-part series. But if you would, go ahead and lay out what are those seven centers, and then we'll start with the uh, – we'll just go down the line. Okay. So back in uh, the late 80s when I got a hold of the book, uh, The E-Myth. E-Myth. In the E-Myth book, they talked about the seven centers of management attention. And – and so in an effort to try to organize myself and get my arms around running a business, because me, like most people probably listening to the podcast, my, my initial introduction to running a business was, hey, if I get in a van and I go fix people's air conditioners, I'm going to make I, money. I can make money, <laughs> probably more money than I did than working for Bob, right? right? And that was the the extent or, or, or what Michael Gerber actually calls the um, entrepreneurial seizure, right? And so we, I'm an entrepreneur and I go out and start doing that. Well, you know, as you continue to grow, there's more challenges that happen. You got to put yourself, you got to organize yourself and create a business. And doing the work of the business is not being in business. Got it. That's a, that was a very good one. It Think was. about this. Doing the work of the business is not being in business. That's solid. Okay, so... I, I embraced the seven centers. As a matter of fact, I got a hold of them, and I made them directories in my computer. And they've been directories in my computer systems since then, you know, the late 80s, um, so that I could organize the business systems and forms and spreadsheets and whatever in those categories. And the categories are leadership, management, money, marketing, lead generation, lead conversion, and client fulfillment. Now, we talked about this last on the last podcast, and, you know, I, I think we're trying to direct this information to guys who are getting started out, yep. medium-sized business to organize themselves some more. Obviously, more evolved companies probably have, you know, these – these uh, focuses on the different centers themselves, right? Um, and anytime you want to get into more sophisticated conversations, we certainly can. Today, we're focusing on, okay, building your company, right? So those are the seven centers, and we're talking about leadership and management today, correct? Yeah, sure. So I, I and I have a, uh, before we go any further, I have a, a couple questions on it. So um, I think, there's probably, I know we talk about, I mean, we have obviously have a, a wide range of listeners um, and in different, you know, places in their business or working for another another company or whatever, wherever they're at. 
I think there's probably more people who can still relate regardless of size. Cause I, we, I mean, obviously, you know, um, we, you know, at Rhino, we work with a lot of companies of all different shapes and sizes. And some of them have the same issues that our bigger companies have the same issues as our smaller companies. I mean, different, like I'm just saying, I think some of the stuff's going to be more applicable to our listeners than, than maybe you might think regardless of size. Um, now, you know more than me because you bought a lot of the, you bought companies, small, big, like all different you know types, shapes and sizes. I'm sure you've probably seen similar things. So I'm just speaking from my experience. But um, I like I want I want to talk about leadership for a second because I want to ask you a, a simple question on uh, on leadership. We kind of talked about this a little bit pre podcast, but um, before we get into it, what is your leadership style? Like, what is the Ken Goodrich leadership style? So, um, I didn't mean to throw you, throw you for a loop either. I'm just, I'm always kind of curious. I want the listeners to hear what your style is and, um, because you've clearly grown a successful business and it's evolved and you've evolved. So I think that I, I tend to focus on the, uh, the vision of the future. So, uh, my leadership style is that I'm portraying the future for everybody, you know, what it's going to look like, feel like, uh, for our customers, our employees and ultimately us, right. um, you know, what that, what the future is going to bring and what it's going to look like, uh, for my team, I believe I have very high expectations, um, very high level of accountability, high, uh, fidelity on the numbers. You know, we are a very number and metrics oriented company. Right. And so, you know, we just live by the mantra. If we can't count it, we don't do it. And so, um, what gets measured gets managed. Is that it? Gets done. What yeah. gets measured gets done. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, you know, in a nutshell, high level of accountability, vision, uh, strategy, um, uh, creative. You know, we have a big creative uh, element to our business. Yeah. You're progressive. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to uh, – track some high-level talent that yeah. drive the business forward and the day-to-day operations. Um, and not just in the industry. Right. Yeah, which is, I think is great. Okay. So I didn't mean to derail you, man. I just was curious for you to share that for anybody that's listening uh, for the first time and learning who Ken Goodrich is or those who know who Ken Goodrich is in his style. So I just was curious. I, I hear from you vision and account. I think accountability is the biggest part, but also I think it's easier to lead when you have these, like I said, um, what gets measured gets done, you said, or gets managed, you have to have those things in place to scale a business, right? You have to, have to use those things to hold people accountable to their performance, whether they're in management or in leadership, whatever it is. So let's go ahead and dig into the leadership piece of this thing, numero uno. I will say, let me add this one other piece, though. I, w- I will say people development is a very important part, and it always has been of my my uh, businesses, mm-hmm. um, it's been important for me to take guys from the trade, you know, tradesmen, and give them new skills and new things to think about to grow. And, you know, you know I have countless guys that have come through our ranks and taken management roles, leadership roles, uh, bought their own companies, owned their own companies. And, and it's important to me that I see a progression, you know, of the tradesmen being that I am one. You are one, right? <laughs> I are one. <laughs> I are. I is one. That makes sense. Now you have, um, uh, you've created a, a Gettle Academy. You've I had have. some success with that too, which is great. I don't want to derail us from that too, but I, I mean, the reason I brought that up is because you guys have had, in the short amount of time that you've had, it had a significant amount of people come through it successfully and you're growing tradesmen. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Congrats on that. And now you got to keep, now you got to just keep going. <laughs> Yeah, we got, we're trying to build a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> okay, good into it. Dig into leadership. Okay, so, so leadership. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to refer to Michael Gerber here on how he explains it. Uh, because I want you to understand how I looked at it from the very beginning. So leadership, and I will say on this one piece, I didn't start there. You know, you're desperate. You're trying to run your business. So, like, what can I do to put some money in the bank right now? Uh, now, looking back upon that, I wish I would have taken the time back then and, and done this work when I first started, but I didn't. 
So I'm trying to urge everybody, think about this from the very beginning. And so leadership really is about where are we going? You know, where am I taking, where am I taking this team? Where am I getting, where am I taking this company and what for? And so you really need to sit down and think about what is your primary aim in life? What do you want your life to look like and feel like? And, and, you know, where are you going as the primary shareholder of the business? Your family's being the primary shareholder. Where does this business need to go to perpetuate your primary aim? And then, um, you know, you develop the business and story around that. And you have to be crystal clear on that. You do. The, more, the clearer, the better, right? For so, sure. And so, you know, where are we going? And then what's our strategic objective? Okay, so I know where we're headed. So how, what's our strategy? How are we going to get there? How are we going to do it better and different to attract more customers in the time frame that I need to hit my primary aim? Now, the business itself may not get you everywhere in life that you want to be. And I realize it's very difficult to start thinking about your life in its entirety and making a life plan, but those people who do that seem to have better lives, right? Yep. And so uh, to really think of your business in those terms, say, okay, from this point to this point, this business is going to do these things for my family and my primary aim, and it could be a stopping point. I want to get it to this point. I want to sell it. It'll give me this much capital to go into this venture to do this, this, and this, right? So, you know, the, the, the nutshell of leadership is where are we going and how are we, or how are we going to get there? And, you know, I, I think sometimes people confuse leadership and management. Well, they, they always do. And they, comp- they, they confuse leadership with being the smartest guy in the room, smartest person in the room. It's not necessarily true. The leader is just the one who can bring the team together and keep them all headed in the same direction towards a common goal, right? right? Yep. So a lot of guys, certainly I didn't have the skills when I started. And so, you know, uh, a high recommendation is, is go online, go LinkedIn learning, you know, take some classes on leadership and what does that mean? Uh, and then start thinking, you know, uh, getting access to some of the other tools out there. A lot of people use mission, vision, uh, or vision, mission, primary, uh, primary I mean. Um, primary, primary, uh, minimum primary visionary, <laughs> MPVs. And so to lay that stuff out. But I would, I would suggest that you get some training in that you know, to understand what your role as the, as the uh, founder of the business is, the leader of the business, and start focusing the enterprise down that direction and, and document it so you have a guide. And it doesn't mean it can't change. You can always change directions. But you got to get it laid out for yourself so you know, we are heading this way. Yeah. Um, a couple things on that I want to touch on. Um, I think that it, you said one thing that's important, how is you don't always want to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, it make, reminds me back to, ironically, when um, you and Michael E. Gerber were in here and I made the mistake of putting your name over his. Uh, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we went to like this little private thing that Michael was speaking at that had um, Brad Leah there. It had um, Robert Kiyosaki. And we went to it and you know, people were sitting in that room. Obviously, who knows what? I mean, it wasn't a small group of us, but you were in there listening and asking questions. And I think what I can appreciate is that I feel like you're always trying to be a student still and still trying to learn things. And you're asking thoughtful questions because the question that came up that I've never forgot was about documenting culture. Remember that? Right. And so um, I think that's one thing that I appreciate is that, you know, that you were constantly trying to learn, even though you have a ton of knowledge. The second piece of this I want to acknowledge is, I think you, you'd you said it, leadership and management is different. What is like the 30,000 foot view difference on like, or maybe even the fundamental difference between being a leader or being leadership or being in management? So, um, you know, the leader is, is, is playing at the 30,000 foot level. 
here's where we're heading. I'm looking at the landscape. I'm looking for new opportunities. I'm keeping us away from danger. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the structure of the business, getting new information, things like that. A manager is a, is a day-to-day routine of holding it, holding the team accountable to, to their business systems, right? business processes, running the process and keeping score and keeping them motivated and heading down that direction and more of on a micro level, I would say. The strategic objective. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. Like well, no, I think the, the leader executing. is a strategic, the manager more of a tactical role. Got it. Execution on vision or the where we're going. Right, got right. It. And, and um, you know, back to that conversation of, uh, what's the guy's name, Kawasaki? Robert. Robert. Is it Kawasaki, it's like the motorcycle? Kawasaki, I think. Not Kawasaki, it's Kawasaki. And he's a hero, um, rich dad, poor dad. Right, right. You know, that that meeting really impressed me because, I mean, all this time I've heard, and I've said this before, all this talk about culture, and I really couldn't get my mind around it. What is culture? Culture, uh, you know, it seemed a little touchy-feely for me at the time. <laughs> I don't know. But but what he really cleared it up for me. He said, culture is a business system. And it's just a really can be simply a document that says, this is how we conduct ourselves this here. This is who we are. Yeah. This is how we do business. And, and you know, obviously there has to be some accountability to that. Certainly. But, uh, you know, that's culture. And that really cleaned that conversation up with, for me. And it's something that I think that uh, most people, most business people can understand, right? Mm-hmm. But you do have to have that stuff. This is how we're, we operate. And, and that way you can scale the business. You don't have to be there for every single decision to make sure that it follows your cultural guidelines or you, how you want the company to conduct itself, right? Yep. And you can, ma- I mean, it's manageable. You've right. got, you've, it's, it's in black and white. It's manageable. Like this is how we do business. And then I think culture looks like a bunch of different ways. Um, looks like a bunch of different things, but that, I mean, that's the part that stuck with me too, yeah. is this documentation piece. Of yeah. It. So I like, I'll, I'll go into businesses now. People will start bragging about their culture, my culture. And I'll say, okay, well, can I see your culture document or like, <laughs> can I see it so I can see if there's instructions on your culture? Or yeah. Like, we've had oh. this for years, but no, it's like, <laughs> no, well, no, it's a feeling and it's a, it's just, it's just how it is around here. It's this mystic place, you know, like, yeah. a, which I don't buy. And right. I, I get, well, cause you're a systems guy. Like it's got it. You know, I understand. I, I, I can understand part of it. So I'm not going to say like, I'm a hundred percent all in on that. Cause I, obviously I am a big culture guy. I don't know that um, mine is like on a piece of paper documented out for everybody to see, but it's certainly uh, something that we talk about often in our leadership meetings and our management meetings and all this other type of things. So yeah, I don't want to reduce it to a piece of paper. Don't get me wrong. I mean, certainly it has to be acted upon. Yeah, but without some sort of process, you know, some, some sort of document declaration, the, the the culture will go away without the prime leader leading that culture if it's not written down, spoken and it's, like a true leader. And that's no different. <laughs> Than any other business process in your business, right? If you're going to run it, if you're going to run it by policing everything today, that if you're going to run it by policing every decision that goes on your business, like a shopkeeper, then I guess your culture will hold up. Yeah. But the human can't do that for very long. So, yeah. So actually it got me thinking about something uh, around leadership um, with your leader. How do you, how do you manage leaders? What I mean, because I'm trying to understand, like, the gap on, you have, like, we have upper management on our teams. Um, we have an executive team. 
we have, uh, I think, leaders in, I can't remember if you and I talked about this before, but I was, um, in one of the meetings that we had in New York with Vayner, with Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, and we talked about leadership on who is the right leader for the right, it can matter for the right thing or the right moment or oh, the yeah. right um, decision that's trying to be made. You basically take the person who has the most skill set and you've got a 1A and a 1B. And your 1A is, uh, this is something that was given to us because obviously Aunt, my wife and I uh, are, I'm the CEO, she's the COO, but really we're equals in this business. And it's some decision she's, she's more of a leader, like some things we do, she's more of a leadership role than I am and, and you know, I'm in different role. Some things I'm more qualified to make those decisions on than she is. But how do you manage leaders? Like, what do you do? How do you manage leaders? So what, what I do when I have our real key guys in the business, men and women, um, I just give them, here's your field to run in. Try to make it a big open field. You run in that field, do some things. You know, here's the direction. Here's your goals for the year, you know. Here's where the company's headed. Go to it, and and. Uh, but is there a fence around that field? Yeah, there's okay. a there's a little <laughs> some of our electric fences, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But yeah, there's a fence around the field, and you know, as they continue to perform, the field gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I one thing that I learned with these businesses I've sold when I would when I would sell to a bigger company, and I and I was obligated to work there for a few years for a transition. I performed so much better when I had a big field to run in. I had bigger capital. I had bigger support. I did, I did more uh, meaningful work and meaningful things having that bigger field with the backing of, uh, of uh, backing the support of the bigger company. And so that's kind of how I look at it with my people. I give them the support, the backing. Okay, let's see how uh, this comes together. So, but the vision was clear, right? That's very clear where we're headed. So the field plans, timeframes, when this is supposed to be, when this market's supposed to be open, things like that. Right. So I don't want our listeners to think like, oh, just because Ken had this big capital backing, like he was able to do things that you can't do. That's not what he's saying. He was just saying that he felt better because you had this field to run in. We had these electric fences, and that was essentially your keeping you within the vision. But you had the freedom to kind of go and do and try and all these things without being so, like, restrained. Yeah, and let me back up this. When I had nothing, you know, when, when the business, you know, I first kind of got to a point where I could get a general manager. You know, I, I got to a general manager really out of complete necessity because it's just not my skill set. You know, the day-to-day rigor of management is just not my thing that I do, and so do well. And so when I finally got to have a general manager, and I didn't, you know, it was it was payroll to payroll. But I finally got that guy in place, and I gave him, okay, his, his field to run in, and I left him alone at it, and he did so much better than, than I did. And I will say for those of you struggling at that piece, go find a good, competent, person and give them a little authority and leave them alone and just think and here's how I thought about it. I thought because I found myself second guessing decisions in the beginning and I thought I just have to operate like this is this decision going to close the business or not and I rarely found anyone that did so I would let them go at it and I would just back off and I got more and com- more comfortable with that and I found that most people manage the business better than I did, even making decisions that I wouldn't make. They still had a better outcome than me trying to show up every day and do it, which is not my natural thing. You follow me? I am, yeah. So um, we've kind of we've actually kind of mixed in leadership and management into this thing accidentally, I think. Um, but, but it kind of goes hand in hand. I think with the you know the two are working so closely together to really continue to drive. Um, the vision and do all the management, the details and things like that. What, um, when you said that you find a good competent GM, um, is there a time when you know that you have to bring like you, you were having a, uh, well, I'm not sure if it was a bandwidth issue or what it was, but when you you knew you needed your GM, it wasn't because of a certain, is it because of a certain size? Like when does somebody know they need a GM or is it when you said, Hey, I struggled with this position. I wasn't the best fit for it. 
regardless of size, I, I need to fill this role. Like you and I, like, you know, you've gotten to know me and you know, and how we run our business. I have my strengths. I have my weaknesses and I certainly am okay with hiring for my weaknesses. Um, I'm a little, it's a little easier for me these days than it was in the beginning. But once I realized I'm trying to do a role that I, I'm half-assing, I was like, why am I doing this? I'm not the one. You just spend the money on it. I was looking at it short-sighted, not long-term. But is there like a time when you know beyond that? Like, is there a size? Is there, is there some sort of measurable moment where you're like, okay, now I need to hire this next, this management role? Well, let me say this. Just because you founded the company does not mean that you're the best choice for, pre- for president of the company, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people who found companies and they raise capital and they put business systems together and they hire GMs and presidents and CEOs and you know all the stuff and put it in place and the business works and they are the innovator, the founder, the leader. Here's where I want it to go. Now, most of us didn't come with those skills or background to get to that place. So, you know, I've said this many times. A lot of guys probably would have done better or do well by saying, I'm going to manage the production. I'm going to manage the client fulfillment side of the business. I'm going to be the VP. I'm going to be the chief operating officer or something like that and make sure the work gets done. And then... uh, um, I'm going to hire a better leader than myself or a better manager than myself. Now, that takes a lot of self-restraint, low ego, brains to do that. But I think that's a viable option for people sometimes to think about. Um, you know, I am not the best person to manage an HVAC company, a day-to-day operation. It's just not my nature. That's fair. Yeah. So. But you know that. So you had to be self-aware to make sure you know that to make that decision. Right, too. <laughs> right. And so the, so the element of management, I'm not sure. I think I got off on topic. What, what was the specific question? Well, um, actually, I think it was when's the right time to bring on somebody for the oh, position. Oh, oh, oh. You kind of went down that path and then we derailed, but it all worked out. <laughs> it's working out. Yeah, I mean, the right the right path is when, you know, you know it's a span of control issue and, you know, when when – uh, when you just can't get to everything, right? When sales isn't always the answer. Now, <laughs> if you have plenty of capital, if you have plenty of capital, <laughs> you create a year one org chart, year two org chart, year three org chart, and you negative, you know, you run negative cash flow for years until all of a sudden, uh, you know, you've built the infrastructure and the team and the, around the business that it catapults into a profitable state, a.k.a. Amazon. Right. Good point. That's a good, you know, that's, that's a good example. Yeah. <laughs> that worked out. And so, the, you know, when I think about management though, I didn't really realize this until, you know, the, actually the Gettle, really the, the, this Gettle project that we've been working on. Uh, uh, I realized that I needed to have an outlet to train our tradesmen, you know, technicians that move to supervisors that move to managers to train them the art of management because management is no different than being a tradesman it's a skill you need to understand it you need to learn it you don't just become a great manager because you are some people have better talents at it than others but there's a there's a strategy behind it so i signed up with a company called matt management action programs in newport beach california and you know, I went through the course, three-day course, and then they have a um, uh, facilitator that comes to your office every month and facilitates a, a vital factors meeting, they call it. And it's really to bring the whole team together on a management system, okay? Here's how we manage our people here. And I don't know how many people we've sent through it so far. we have more than 50, but... Uh, uh, we use that to get the introduction to management, and then we follow their processes in terms of job descriptions, uh, all the metrics, 
performance reviews, performance improvement plans, all the things that you have to do to really effectively manage another human being, right? And so it was a system. We signed up for it, we started implementing it, and we use it every single day. So that has built our management, um, which you know goes to the point of this whole podcast, uh, this topic in that management is a skill, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just can't take a guy out of the field, which I've done many times, too many times to mention. Take a guy out of the field, I take my best tech, make him the service manager, and he's a bust. Right. And now I have worst, wor- you know, worst skills out in the field and a bad manager, right? <laughs> and so you got to understand that management is a skill. Management isn't necessarily the best performers either. You know, all the best performers, they want to be the manager, but that's the worst place for them, right? right? And so, you know, I would advise everybody to kind of get themselves in some sort of management training for themselves to begin with so you understand it, understand how it works. What are the building blocks of managing a human being? And then what's an ongoing training and system that you can implement inside your business so that you can train your other people to be future managers? Got it. So something I heard you say is you can be the best player, but you might be a shitty coach. Right. But you can be. You understand the game. You understand what needs to be done. You understand the work ethic and needs to go on these things. But I 100% agree that management's a skill set. And I openly say this to really anybody on my team that um, I have not historically not been a great manager. And it's because I miss some of the fundamentals of what I think is great for a management position, and that is um, holding people accountable. And it's not because I don't want them held accountable. I just know that my strength is more so in the vision, the strategy, the chasing technology, the f- like the fun stuff, if you will. Um, but I've had to take and learn how to be a better manager because I do manage people. Um, I manage some of my leadership teams. So I have had to slow down and take the time to learn how to be a better manager, even though I didn't want to. You kind of get pushed into it, really. I mean, if you really want to be good and if you really want to be great at your job and great at actually helping those who I'm trying to manage, I have to take the time to learn how to be a better manager. Yeah. I, I, you know, I I uh, got the book, The One Minute Manager, years ago, right? I can remember you telling me this. The One Minute Manager. If you just get the one-minute manager and you follow the one-minute manager book, if you just did that, you'd be better than 90% of all managers in all business in the world. (laughs) Just that one little thing. And it's very, very simple process. And so, you know, before we signed up for MAP, you know, that was, okay, you want to be a manager? Let's start with here. And we started working on that book. And, And it's just some really basic fundamentals. So, you know, I would advise anyone getting their business started or, or hitting walls, for instance, getting to a size where you're kind of hitting walls, go find some access to some education on leadership and management and, and certainly just understand it. You know, what are the fundamentals of those two roles and what is, what is the type of people that I need to the characteristics of the type of people that I need or, uh, to put in those roles and who do I have and things like that and, and start directing it that way instead of fighting it all the time. So have you found from your years of working with different and varying uh, leadership skills or lead- people of different uh, leadership skill sets that there's like a few common characteristics that they have with the most successful leaders? Yes, so so let me back up and say this. I I chuckle every time I hear this. You know, you, you so in our business, it typically you're pretty good in the field, or you're pretty good as a, as a sales guy. So you the, the owner gets a little beat up, too much stress, too much work, needs to grow. Now you're the sales manager, right? You have no ability to manage people, and you don't know how to, and you know. That has, that has its shelf life, and these guys get passed around from shop to shop to shop. But in their mind, they're managers. Like, I was promoted at one time to be a sales manager for Joe's Refrigeration. So now I'm a sales manager. I'm no longer a salesman or a tech. Now I'm moving on, right? 
and they get this moniker uh, to their name, and then they start peddling themselves to this manager, and they get passed around every shop because they don't have the skills to do it, and they don't understand this, it's right? It's got a title. And then the owners don't understand. They're like, well, I'm taking this guy that, you know, used to work at Joe's, and he was a manager there, so he can be a manager here. Not true. You know, that's, yep. you know, so, you know, we all got, got caught up in the, you know, in the uh, lack of education of our industry, right? We all get caught up and we keep passing these people around. So um, I can't stress enough, get the education to understand what it is to be a manager. So the best traits of the manager, obviously, a or- very organized person. Um, I would say, you know, numbers, a numbers person helps, you know, because, you know, you have to manage by metrics. Uh, you know, certainly a, a, a person who can get along with all sorts of personality types, you know, isn't just one way. You know, in managing people, you have to talk to, you have to speak to your audience, right? And and you may need to be talked to different than somebody else or, or influenced in a different manner. And so... I would say leadership is influence and management is more a support role. I'm supporting people to, to get them what they need to do their job and get the, uh, accomplish the goals of the enterprise. Leadership is influence. Management is support. That's good. Man, we're, you're smart. <laughs> you're educated. I think that, um, you know, something I struggled with and I, imagine that you probably didn't maybe in your delivery. Um, I could be wrong, but it's being okay with sharing uh, constructive truth versus like comforting lies to somebody just because it's hard to deliver. Um, when somebody, you know, if somebody did something wrong or whatever, you still got to like you use the word accountability. That's really what I think it falls under is holding somebody accountable to whatever the vision, the task is, the job is. I mean, Client fulfillment is client fulfillment based on these things. But I think it's, uh, that's hard to do because if you don't have that, like I'm an empathetic, I'm a very empathetic guy. Um, I care, I feel about people, but at the same time I let, uh, data and numbers tell the story because those are the facts. And so because I'm a feeler Ken, and I can't run a business on feelings, I have to use the facts for me to share those constructive truths because it's, it's coming from a place of, Hey, you didn't do this thing right. Here's a mark that you missed. Here's how we can do that differently. Here's how you can change it. And then you got to hold them accountable. It's just, some people don't have that skill set. They might be a good manager and lack that piece. So that's a trained skill set. Wouldn't you say like, I had to learn how to feel comfortable sharing constructive criticism. Yeah, that's a big one. Huge. That's a big one. And, and you know, but, but I'm just, the, I'm the opposite in that. I'm not really a feeler. I know. I'm, I'm, you know, all about the numbers and, uh, you know, that trips me up from time to time. Right. I would say, well, that's why I said, like, I'm pretty sure you're, you handled it differently than me. I had, I had to learn that piece. I think it's actually easier for me to have learned how to overcome that than you mainly because I think it's hard to become a feeler if you don't have that in you. But I've seen a nice little change happening with you. We talked about it in the last one. Yeah, you softened me up. You're welcome. You know, you know uh, everybody listener, if you've met Ken Goodrich, you're welcome. I <laughs> I was part of the change. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, you know, to cope with that, what you're saying, you know, uh, in the very beginning, I was been so driven to you know, hit my goals and accomplish things that I would tend to run over people. And, and, uh, you know, it got to the point, my, my only, once I figured out how to get a general manager in place that could connect with the people better, our team better, I backed off. Like, you know, there was a period there where I probably operated, kind of just stayed away because, you know, I would cause a wake, wake of destruction as I walked into places until I learned the skills. And, and I think that's pretty commonplace. I see that, you know, when I talk to other operators, uh, you know, they can, you know, they can be less empathetic than they probably should be to maintain a team environment. And so, you know, I can't stress enough, 
get the education before you start your business if you can, if you have the time frame. Real easy way is for leadership. One A great book that I've read many times is The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Um, and then the uh, for management, The One Minute Manager. If you just armed yourself and knew the volume of information in those two books and you could operate there, you'd be one of the best leaders and managers in this industry. If you just did that, meaning that we have a very low bar in our right now in our industry. <laughs> you know, sure. As we continue to evolve, the level of leadership, the level of management, sophistication is going to continue to improve, and you know it, it'll lead to change, right? But right now, if you know those two bodies of work and can, and can execute on them, you'll be one of the best. So leadership, management, money, marketing, lead gen, lead conversion, client fulfillment as the seven centers. We just hit leadership and management. Those two have to be in place to make the other stuff work. They do. I mean, the money's the next one, and that's going to be a series all on, on its own. I know you know a thing or two about it and managing it and making it and making things profitable, but also taking companies that were in despair and turning those things around. Yeah, so let me give me a quick overview. I know we're, we're about done here, but... Yep. So leadership, obviously, where are we going? Management is all about the people because you can't do it by yourself, right? You can't be a leader without a following. Right. So... Uh, you know, I'm, I got to put a team together. This is how I manage them. Money, you know, which is a byproduct of all the work of the business, doesn't really necessarily mean the cash you take home. It's how do you manage the money inside the business, you know? Exactly. How do you collect it? How do you pay your bills? What do you do with it? You know, how do you organize it? How do you count it? You know, all that stuff. Um, marketing. And when I say marketing, this is not lead generation. This is not what you do every day. Marketing is the brand. You know, who are you? What are you about? What What is the public or potential customers going to think about you by seeing or hearing from you? That's marketing your brand, right? And then there's the three fundamentals of all business. Generate a lead. Lead generation. I generated a lead. Now what I do? Lead conversion. I generate a sale. I converted the lead to a sale. And client fulfillment, I fulfilled the contract. I did the work. Uh, and then each one of those have their own systems inside to deliver on the required results. So, and you have to have, well, I would say then those first three are probably pretty, uh, pretty, pretty important to having a successful Business and a profitable business. Well, I started I started <laughs> there, you know, but but look, most people start with the bottom three, lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. I'm going to get a lead. I'm going to sell something. I'm going to do the work, right? right? We start there. Yeah, because you need money. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and but the trap of that is, and you can start there, is that you just get caught in doing it every single day. You're doing the same thing. You can't get out of it. So uh, that's why I'm urging everybody to learn these other skills first. So you understand that I got to build a business with people. You know, you need to clearly understand that because you're a tradesman, that is not the business. The business is the business is the, the set of systems created inside these seven centers of management attention to that together build the business. Got it. Worked for you. Yep. (laughs) Well, listen, man, I appreciate you come on. Um, obviously again, spend your time with us and, um, and I'm excited to get into the other, you know, to the other, um, what four or five, six, yeah, other five, um, and the seven centers of management attention, keyword attention. (laughs) Um, so thanks for coming on again. And, and, uh, the next one I think was going to, is going to be really geared around the money side of that, which is number three. We'll hit on that. So maybe we're going backwards from the way most people are starting, starting their out with their businesses, like on the lead gen side and the client fulfillment and lead conversions. Um, I'll be interested to get to the conversion side because I love that side of it. But, um, again, this is a four part series. So this is number one of that four part series with Ken. I'm not sure exactly when we'll record the next one, but I'm sure that, uh, we'll get a book sooner than later. And um, we want to try to cram these things in before the end of the year. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so listeners, again, I appreciate you so much. And just for the sake of time, um, I am going to, I normally finish this thing off reading a review and I'm going to do that. Um, and I like sharing those things, but also we love having you. Obviously the, when you listen, the best way we know that you listen is by reaching out to us, by making posts on our, so all of our social pages, but also leaving reviews. Reviews is like the coolest thing ever for us. It's the most fulfilling thing for us. So I'm going to read this five star review, uh, from comfort star, whoever that is. And it is, I'm so grateful to have been recommended to look into and listen to this podcast. As someone else said, uh, someone else said best and simply put game changer. Oh yeah. Uh, I love each and every different role in the heating and air conditioning business. It's all about the customer's experience and providing outstanding customer service. I was very fortunate to come from the ground up and see one of the fastest growing heating and air conditioning companies in California. I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity to have worked for the team, let alone get the opportunity to get to listen to many of these key players and heavy hitters in the market nationwide. A big thank you to the success story shared on To The Point podcast. Thank you very much. That's super thoughtful. And hey, whoever, if you're listening and you wrote that, uh, Ken was technically our first guest on To The Point Home Services podcast. So uh, we appreciate you guys so much, Ken. As always, my man, I appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'll look forward to uh, the next section, the next series with my man Ken Goodrich. Until next time, we'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. If you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.